routinely led to believe. What biographers tend to leave undisclosed are the rather embarrassing aspects of his years in Twenties Paris, where he alienated and insulted figures he had initially treated with unreserved sycophancy. Perhaps he was searching for a role in the new cultural presidium, albeit very clumsily, but one has to wonder if he believed that patronage would automatically confer talent. Some of his early writings are extraordinarily dreadful. For those of you disposed to an extended leisurely tour of fraught relationships and encounters, the chapters whose title includes the letter V for Verses will suit you best, providing longer and more detailed accounts. The other, more succinct chapters will appeal to those with an interest in one-on-one encounters, covering some of the deep-rooted and often distasteful features of the literary world. Additionally, there are pages interspersed throughout the book with quotations by or about the writers for even more rapid digestion. However, these are not intended as a form of relief. Quite the contrary. They disclose the often hateful spirit that has spawned some of the most fascinating and notorious bouts of literary loathing. U.S. Bile Hemingway, always willing to lend a helping hand to the one above him. F. Scott Fitzgerald What other culture could have produced someone like Hemingway and not seen the joke? Gore Vidal I knew William Faulkner well. He was a great friend of mine. Well, as much as you could be a friend of his, unless you were a fourteen-year-old nymphette. Truman Capote. I guess Gore left the country because he felt that he was underappreciated here. I have news for him. People who actually read his books will underappreciate him everywhere. Truman Capote on Gore Vidal. He's a full-fledged housewife from Kansas with all the prejudices. Gore Vidal on Truman Capote. Vidal's phrasing sometimes used to have a certain rotundity and extravagance, but now he had descended straight to the cheap and even to the counterfeit. What business does this patrician have in the gutter markets, where paranoids jabber and the coinage is debased by every sort of vulgarity? Christopher Hitchens. That's not writing, that's typing. Truman Capote on Jack Kerouac. A man must be a very great genius to make up for being such a loathsome human being. Martha Gellhorn on Ernest Hemingway. I hated Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. It took me days to go through it, blushing with embarrassment for him every ridiculous sentence of the way. How can they let him do it? Elizabeth Bishop. It was a good career move, Gore Vidal upon hearing of Truman Capote's death. Chapter 1 Britain v. America An Introduction to Feuds, Bitterness, and Self-Glorification Two men are taking lunch in a quiet, sumptuously upholstered restaurant just off the Strand. One of them is a novelist. Just into his forties, he has enjoyed a decade of outstanding success with novels that are conspicuously literary. His reviewers in the broadsheets and the Times Literary Supplement insist on that, but which regularly sell over a million copies. 
The rights to his first novel have recently been purchased for an upmarket film adaptation, netting the author £350,000. They have ordered food and are drinking a decent Chardonnay, but the other man, a little portly in his early sixties and dressed in a pinstripe suit, is fidgety and distracted. He is the novelist's agent and has recently received his client's latest draft, accompanied by a directive that the author would like him to pay off his present publisher and put the new book up for auction. The author will only accept an advance in excess of £500,000. The agent swallows a half glass of wine and sighs. I'm afraid it can't be done, which of course is why I asked you to lunch. Why? Even these days, these straitened times, half a million isn't excessive for a man with my record. I think you can find a bit.